On this podcast, we talk with rural mavericks, futurists, and researchers to raise bold voices for rural people and places. I'm Caitlin, producer of the show, and I'm asking you to do your part. Support the Rural Futures podcast by leaving a review, which helps new listeners find us, and become a sponsor by visiting ruralfutures.nebraska.edu slash podcast. With the ag economy, and I mean, this this entire county in, in rural Nebraska, we thrive on agriculture. So we are in a, a low margin time and it's tough and it's, and it's a little scary, but I think it's important to tell the story of things like Handle Bend because it, it lets people know that there's avenues in these small rural areas outside of agriculture that can be tapped. Rural Futures, the podcast where we connect thought leaders and doers at the intersection of technology and what it means to be human. Every episode, we talk with entrepreneurs, researchers, and achievers to create impact for generations to come. And now, here's Dr. Connie. Hello, and welcome back to the Rural Futures podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Connie, and joining me today is one of our rural mavericks from right here in Nebraska, Matt Dennis. Um, He co-founded Handleben Copper Mugs, but he also works in our amazing area of agriculture at the Dennis Grain Elevator. He returned home to work with his father and is the fourth generation to work at the elevator, which I think is just an amazing story in itself. He's married to Tracy with a daughter, Piper, and son, Trey. So you're doing it all. Yeah, yeah. uh, Getting after it here in small town Nebraska. So, okay, Matt, tell us a little bit more about who you are. Who is Matt Dennis? So I graduated from the university in 2008, took my first position working for a grain merchandising company in Omaha, worked under one of my mentors for two years before making the decision to come back to the family business in O'Neill. In the process of working the family business came across an, an opportunity uh, with Handle Ben that we dove into a couple of years ago. And it has had some really good traction. And so we have continued kind of shipping copper mugs all over the country and uh, a few across the pond as well. Our listeners are all over the world. So where exactly is O'Neill, Nebraska? O'Neill is 60 miles from the South Dakota border. It's not quite in the sand hills, but it's, it's on the edge. So tell the audience, you know, how you got the idea and what the mugs are made out of. My partner and I in Handleband um, got the idea while we were attending the, uh, the university, living together in Lincoln. He actually ordered a couple copper mugs from Amazon when, right when Moscow mules and, and copper mugs started to get trendy, almost about 10 years ago now. And we got them in the mail opened the box and immediately just put them back in the box and shipped them back. They were just these chinksy little mugs. There wasn't anything to them. Uh, they weren't fully copper. They were lined with tin. And they, at that time, they were, you know, they were still about 40 bucks a piece. So we shipped them back. Michael, the next weekend, came back to O'Neill into his dad's shop, which is uh, his, his family business is a commercial refrigeration, and grabbed some scrap copper made the first mug that was extremely ugly, but it held liquid and um, showed it to me. I was 
pretty impressed. Then I think the, the very next weekend we made about seven or eight more to uh, to finish off the sets, and uh, we're pretty proud of these things. So, um, and then going forward, we just started making them for uh, really close friends and families for weddings and birthdays and, and that kind of thing. Started getting some good feedback on you guys should sell these things, and then kind of started the idea of, of, of what we would do if we if we did that. And two years ago, we hired a local gal here to uh, make us a website. She did an outstanding job for us and uh, threw it out there, and um, people liked it. We've had some really good fortune and some really good help from Nebraska and, and the community in, in launching this business. And uh, it, it's increased in sales every month since we started it. Here about eight months ago, we hired our first full-time employee, and they just keep going. Well, I love one of the quotes that um, we found in researching you in Handlebend a bit. We couldn't do this in Brooklyn. The small town support is what helped make this real. And that was an article in the Omaha World Herald, correct? Yeah, that article ran in the Omaha World by Matthew Hansen. A crazy story on that is he came out here, sat down with Michael and I for a day, we fed him some Moscow mules so he would write, you know, good stuff about us. And uh, and well, and that was kind of the end of it. He didn't tell us what it was going to be done with it or anything like that. And then about two months later, we wake up to about five orders in the morning. And then the Internet order just keep pinging in throughout the morning. And I call Michael. I'm like, what what is going on here? And he's like, I have no idea. And sure enough, that article ran on the front page of the Omaha World Herald, and the Nebraskans loved it. So that is really what kickstarted this. And, you know, back to the quote about we couldn't do this in Brooklyn. I mean, we're hiring local people throughout this whole process to help us out, and they've been over backwards to make this thing work and help us out. And, you know, the Brooklyn quote comes back to we don't have as much overhead on this because we're in rural Nebraska doing it out of a commercial refrigeration shop. Well, and I think when people go to your website, and we'll make sure to link from our show to your website, you know, your mugs are really works of art. They're the most amazing copper mugs I have ever seen. And it's so exciting to see that this type of creation and creativity is coming from rural Nebraska, is coming from O'Neill, and that you're hiring people in that local space to make this work. But I know you've also talked about the power of the internet to make this happen. Yeah, this thing wouldn't even, I mean, it wouldn't even have got off the ground without that technology and access to internet and being able to reach people through social media and the website. It just would be impossible if it wasn't for that. So we've shipped mugs to Australia. We've shipped mugs to Russia. We got caught off guard a little bit by shipping them to Alaska because it's free shipping in the U.S. And, uh, that was a little expensive. <laughs> and we've had several go to Alaska. We still haven't changed it, so we're not, we're not learning our lesson. But, yeah, I mean, the, the reach you can get in a town like O'Neill with access to the Internet is incredible, and it's exciting. Yeah, I mean, to be able to have a global business from wherever you want to live, as long as you're connected, it's just an incredible time to live and be an entrepreneur. It is. It, I mean, the, the opportunities are seriously endless. I mean, you got two guys in O'Neill, Nebraska, making copper mugs for Pete's sakes. I mean, <laughs> it's crazy. 
We know that Handlebend is having great success and growing and you've hired your first time employee. Give us a little background on your employee. Yeah, so Michael and I are both working full-time jobs outside of Handlebend. So um, when we got enough support, it was time to hire a person. We put out a, an ad in a few different places. And, and at the time we knew it was very, you know, it's very difficult to hire labor of that caliber. And it, it just, it's not easy to do. So we put out an ad and we, we had a few bites. The one that stand out was Mo, and Mo is a ranch girl from Brewster, Nebraska, and uh, she had went to art school in a small arts college in Kansas, and had just graduated, was moving back, wanted to uh, do something other than the ranch, and uh, reached out, and it so happened that she had done a good chunk of sculpture work in her degree and already knew how to braise and, and had a good idea on welding and she has been awesome. So Matt, in our pre-combo, you talked about the fact that you really weren't considering moving back to O'Neill or, or moving back to rural Nebraska. What changed your mind? When I left O'Neill for Lincoln, I had no desire to come back. And most of that was, I'd been working with my father for, I mean, I was sweeping grain bins at age 11. If I wasn't in football practice or had some crazy excuse not to work, I was at the elevator. So when I saw what he was doing at that age, at 18 years old, I just, I had in my mind that there was an easier way. I saw the hard work. I saw the long hours. I, I just had it in my mind that there is an easier way in the city. And so I actually went to UNL. I had, I got a bachelor's in business administration and hardly stepped foot on the ag campus. And then, you know, two years in, I kind of started switching my, my mind. And my final year, I decided that the, the grass isn't greener on the other side of the fence. This is something I want to do. And I want to eventually move back to O'Neill. And so I did, I did enter the ag space right away. And within two years, I, I got the call from my dad saying he had expanded enough to, uh, they wanted me to come back. And I basically did right away. So not only was I working side by side with him all day, but I was also living in his basement for six months. So that, um, that got interesting when you're spending that much time with your father, but it was, uh, it was, it was all good. So now I'm going to get even more personal here because one of the things we hear from young people is that they're nervous about moving to rural communities because they may not find somebody to marry. You know, they, they might find a significant other. So we've, we've half-joked we should actually partner with, like, FarmersOnly.com and help, help make matches for people. But you're married and have two kids. So tell me a little bit about how that happened. I started dating my wife in college. She is from a small town right outside of Norfolk, uh, Hayter, Nebraska. And uh, she went to school in Omaha. At UNO. After about seven years of dating, I convinced her to move into a tiny little house, a tiny little yellow house in O'Neill. She is still here. <laughs> well, congratulations. That's exciting. But I just want our young people to know there are possibilities in rural Nebraska and rural places everywhere, um, not just for jobs, but to create a whole life. Absolutely. I work with a ton of producers. And a lot of those kids are still coming back and they are making it work. I don't know if it's through farmers only, but they are finding gals and guys to move back. So it's working. 
Welcome to Bold Voices, our segment with rock star students from the University of Nebraska who are making a difference in rural. Hey, podcast listeners, it's Katie, production specialist of the Rural Futures podcast. With me today is Clayton Keller, a public administration graduate student at the University of Nebraska, Omaha. Welcome, Clayton. Thanks. Happy to be on the show. So how about you start out by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself? I was born in the rural Rockies of North Idaho, and uh, when I was 11, moved to the rural countryside of Ohio. So rural has been a part of my life, uh, I guess my whole life. My end goal is to be a city manager, and I'm a pretty typical Midwestern boy. So from your perspective, how would you answer the question of why rural, why now? Because tomorrow's too late. With globalization and, and its increasing influence on worldwide culture, there is an ever-pressing need to keep up. And with that comes a sense of urgency to make sure that no one gets left behind. Rural areas are known for their sense of community, for taking care of one another. And so we, as, as a people, as urban and rural dwellers, we need to take care of each other. And how do you see urban and rural working together? Partnerships. Um, what those partnerships may look like will vary depending on, on the part of country you're in. It has to be suited to your needs. Yeah, I think that partnership is so important, and I'm happy that we've been able to partner with you. How would you say that RFI has impacted your college career and future plans? RFI gave me the opportunity to actually apply the things that I'm learning in school. I got to be with the Columbus Area Future Fund and the Chamber of Commerce there. Those, those two organizations taught me that it's possible to, to rally an entire city or, or community around a single identity. All too often, we, we think it's too difficult to bring people together and, and to try to make things happen. And I mean, yeah, it's going to be hard, but that doesn't make it impossible. And what advice would you give to students who are in your shoes? Jump right in. It's a little scary <laughs> to just jump right into new experiences. But nothing helps you grow more than doing just that. Thank you so much, Clayton, for being our bold voice this week and demonstrating how our generation of future leaders in both urban and rural can work together and think about how we can maximize our own impacts and create a better future for all. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit more about how you see the future shaping in rural places like O'Neill, Nebraska. With the ag economy, and I mean, this this entire county in, in rural Nebraska, we thrive on agriculture. So we are in a, a low margin time and it's tough and it's, and it's a little scary. But I think it's important to tell the story of things like Handle Bend because it, it lets people know that There's avenues in these small rural areas outside of agriculture that can be tapped. But we, you know, we still have to be creative on, on the ag side to continue to make this work and bring people back to these areas so that we can thrive. But I know in our pre-convo, you talked a lot about a need for, you know, more people to work, like the labor force. Would you share a little bit of your thought around that, what you're seeing in your community and and some of the potential solutions that you're actually implementing in your businesses? The labor situation in this rural area is extremely tough. For example, if I wanted to start a business today, I would have a hard time starting a business that 
would involve hiring hard labor. You know, anyone to run equipment, maintain equipment, that kind of thing, and, and that goes hand in hand with agriculture. It's it's almost impossible. It is very very hard to get long labor in rural areas, and and so what you know what I've talked about with previous people in the past and what I've been working on for the last few months is to really try to tap into the female workforce in these rural areas. I just think there is tremendous potential of the women in the area that are looking for work, but they need it to be flexible because a lot of the women in the area are are running the family. And with that, you need flexibility. And I think it's possible, but it's going to come down to, you know, kind of thinking outside of the box and and creating positions that can be flexible and part-time and uh, that are family-friendly to really tap into the women labor force. And, you know, a lot of these women are moving back here, following guys that are, are following the agriculture path. And they have bachelors and masters and doctrines and, and it's just, it's not getting tapped into So there's just so much talent that we should be using when we're facing a situation of short labor. We're like kindred spirits in this area. This is something I've talked a lot about. I've written a lot about it over the years because I think in so many ways, we keep trying to, those old models of, you know, graduate from high school, go to college, hopefully, you know, with healthcare being a shortage area in rural, let's get some young minds into that. And then we hope that they move back to rural area. There's so many people already there. And like you've said, there's people that have gotten married and moved there. Like we aren't really tapping into the talent that already exists and really developing the people that are living there. The people who have chosen to make their lives there, stayed there, even recently moved back. Because it's really exciting to see a lot of young couples, young leaders and entrepreneurs like yourself who have chosen to move into a rural location. I think it's tappable. It's just, like I said before, it's going to take some creative thinking and not doing the normal thing. I would hope that even we as a university, the college systems, education in general, really starts thinking very long and hard about this and creating some solutions rather quickly that can serve these rural populations in better and bolder ways. With online and distance learning now, there's no reason people have to, when they're a working adult or even a stay-home mom or dad, whatever the case may be, that wants a new career, or even somebody who's you know close to retirement or in sort of the end of a, what we would typically think of a career, there's still potential there we could tap into, I think, as educational systems to help people get the capacity they need. But I think also you're absolutely spot on. It's going to take the workplace to re-envision what careers mean, what the workplace means, and how can we add in that flexibility, but also good pay, you know, high level pay so that people can actually afford to work. And, And I think the challenge is going to be to mold that so that you can offer that excellent pay, but still be a value to these companies that are fighting these tight margins. Tell our audience about who you are, your leadership philosophy, and and how you approach all of this. I would just say, as cliche as it is, I mean, it's just about leading by example. You know, it's just about getting after it, empowering people. And if you're empowering people and you're listening to them at the same time, incredible things can happen as far as teammates buying in and uh, getting after a single goal. 
You know, I don't think that is cliche. I think the great thing is you are actually walking the talk. And so often I think we have a lot of people talking about leadership, but they aren't really doing it in a way that works for them, their families, and the others that, you know, they're working with. Okay, Matt, now you're a fun guy. I've been on your website. I've checked out Handleband. Your story is amazing. So I want to know, how do you keep that creativity fresh? What do you do for fun? Oh, what do I do for fun? I, I chase my kids around quite a bit. We have just recently bought a tiny, tiny little camper six months ago. And nice. used it a bunch <laughs> here this uh, summer and fall. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah. And, and as far as the creativity part, I, I've seen this time and time again that if you allow yourself to get comfortable, the creativity really comes to a halt. So it's important to like do these podcasts that I don't do very often. You know, jump out of the comfort zone. Keep those creative juices flowing. Well, we're glad you decided to, you know, take this chance. I was just amazed at watching this company and, and trying to figure out more about you. So I love diving into the stories and learning more about the amazing people we have living in our rural communities and especially our Maverick entrepreneurs who I mean, selling high-end copper mugs that are works of art out of O'Neill, Nebraska, more people just need to know that story and know that that's available. So as they think about, you know, we have the holiday season coming up, other types of things, you know, let's support our entrepreneurs by buying those amazing gifts and getting that, that talent out to the world and letting them know it's right here from Nebraska. Yeah, the Nebraska people have embraced this hugely. I mean, we've had so much support from inside the borders of Nebraska. It's it's absolutely crazy. and It's awesome, and it makes this really fun. What we are trying to do with Handleband is you know, sell an experience, create a cool experience that people can get behind and, and a sense of community and just put out solid content and solid products and, and do it that way. Yeah. You know, here at the Rural Futures Institute and at the university, we're always eager to think of new ideas and to get creative ourselves. But we also have a lot of outside entities coming to us and saying, hey, we know, you know, there's a lot of potential in the rural sector, but they aren't quite sure how to engage in our rural communities or with our rural leaders. So what advice would you give to groups, whether it's the Rural Futures Institute or even groups from Japan that are trying to you know, enhance their rural sectors, what advice would you give to them? I would just say that, you know, we, we have worked with a lot of urban companies through this process, and there is a slight disconnect between, and I, this is not going to be for every company, but these smaller, small town companies and urban companies, that it seems like the pace is a little bit different. How we go about doing things is, is a little bit different, but it's always a good conversation to learn from different angles and learn from those faster paced urban companies. But as far as tapping into the, the rural communities, I mean, it's tell stories like Handleband and, and how you can do this. And there's hundreds more. For instance, Matthew Hansen and, and Sarah Hansen put out a book this year. It's called The Better Half. And it's completely filled of small town stories of people getting after it and, and making it happen. It's an awesome book. I always get these emails, well, Connie, you know, what do you think we should do with this in economic development and, you know, all these different sort of acts or investments that our state wants to make. But I think for too long, the world of entrepreneurship and economic development have just discounted our small businesses. They're waiting for that next unicorn to come along. And, 
you know, how many jobs can we create really quickly rather than saying, you know what, let's support the growth of our businesses that we know people are staying here. We know Matt's making his life in O'Neill, Nebraska. How do we support Handleben even more in whatever growth path it's wanting to take? Not just the ones that we see that might be important that are going to have the metrics we want to count, but the small businesses that employ people, and it might not be full-time, it might be part-time, it might be a 1099 employee, but this is really the way the world is evolving. And I think our rural areas can really be a leader in this space, given the appropriate you know, policies and really recognition that they've earned and deserve. Yeah, that's spot on. That's spot on. I, I don't even have anything to add to that. That is basically, yes, what we need to do. Yeah. Well, hey, good. I'm glad to have consensus from a leader like you on that because that drives me bats. I, I have to tell you, I've been at more meetings where, you know, I used to help facilitate an entrepreneurship club in Nebraska City in southeast Nebraska. And it was always funny to me how, you know, everybody used this term, you know, I'd go to meetings and they're using the term, you know, mom and pop, you know, store like it was a bad thing. And I'm like, no yeah. way. You know, these are the bread and butter, the backbone of our economy. And it's time for us to recognize that and the amazing people doing incredible work, but also the exponential impact those businesses have that just goes unrecognized. It's part of the reason why Handleben has been as successful as it's been. If we had done this in Omaha, I don't think it would have the same feel and the same storyline as it does in rural Nebraska. I benefit that to part of the success is this whole story behind it being the child of a rural community and, you know, that whole story that, that we can sell with the experience. I had mentioned the, the story to you uh, in our pre-combo about working with a decent-sized marketing firm in Atlanta. We, you know, we got going and we were pretty excited and they kind of told us what they were going to do. And we hadn't been doing any of that stuff. So we were excited to see how it would work. But we got a month in and it was almost like they were throwing the same concepts at these mugs as they would the chintzy ones we bought 10 years ago from Amazon. And Michael and I are sitting here in O'Neill, Nebraska, being like, what are these guys doing? And we had a conversation about a month in and we were kind of handcuffing them. We were slowing them up. They wanted to go this extremely fast pace, get in front of as many people as possible. And Michael and I are kind of pumping the brakes on, you know, let's slow that down. Let's just put out really good content. And almost like if you build it, they will come. <laughs> and these guys weren't digging it. So we had a conversation with them and they straight up asked us, they're like, do you guys want to sell mugs or do you want to create content and tell stories? And Michael and I look at each other and we both answer at the same time and say, we want to tell stories. And it was crickets on the other side of the line. Like these guys didn't know what to say at that point. Um, so it's just a little bit of a, of a different concept, but we still need to sell mugs, but we also want to do it the right way and, and create an experience. So, Well, I think that comes through so loud and clear through your website, but even through that Omaha article where I have to read just one more quote. I feel like our generation is kind of, in a weird way, going back to our grandparents, our great-grandparents, buying our food at farmer's markets, local beer, locally made soap, and we are making these mugs for you, especially for you. We hope that when you open that wood crate with a crowbar and you have one of our mugs, you love them. 
then you become our best salesman. Absolutely. And and we've seen that firsthand, you know, mugs are selling mugs. So you bet. So, you know, you're not just getting a box and opening it and there it is. You're really from the beginning to the end, creating that experience for the customer through who you are, your website, sort of that purpose of why you exist, but also for them on the other end. So every time they take a sip out of that mug, they're really relating it back to the experience you've created. And we so appreciate you doing this creative work, but also, you know, getting our rural areas, especially in states like Nebraska, on the map even more to demonstrate to the world the innovation and creativity that's really happening in our small places. Yeah. Our goal with Handleman in the community is we're currently trying to purchase a 1940s building downtown that we can renovate and partially be building these mugs out of and, and just create a entire sense of community around this building. And so that's one of our goals on what we want to do with the success that it's brought and really try to help this local community. I I will have to say, Dr. Connie, one of the, you mentioned opening the crates and we sent a set of mugs to New York City here a few months ago. We got an email back and this guy could not figure out how to open the crate. And so that experience wasn't so, wasn't so good, but we got him through it. He got, he got into his mugs and loved them. So, but he couldn't quite, couldn't quite get into the product. But you know what? Still an experience. I just, I absolutely love that. Cause I, in my own mind, you know, when I think about this, I'm, I'm envisioning my husband like opening his crate of mugs and he's going to love that because well, he's open crates with crowbars. So he gets yeah. the, but in this way, it'll be a very positive one. So thank you um, for your time and all this insight today. But I'd like to leave our audience with, Words of wisdom from you, Matt, what would you share with your parting thoughts? Words of wisdom for me would be, you know, just get up, get after it, you know, use your time wisely and be kind doing it. And then the second thing I would say is, you know, in that hustle, take some time to really connect with people along the way. It will be worth it. That's brilliant. And thank you so much for being on the Rural Futures podcast. Thanks for listening to Rural Futures with Dr. Connie. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Rural Futures to tell us what you think of our show. In our next episode, we're bringing you another rural maverick, Margie Geiler Alanese, founder and president of FarmHer. That's F-A-R-M-H-E-R, a media company shining a light on women in agriculture. You can find Margie on RFD-TV via her podcast, Shining Bright, and at farmher.com.